everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I am the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I am Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And welcome back to the podcast for this week leading up to September 5th. Uh, we'll be talking about the gospel for Proper 18, which is this Sunday in year B. Welcome back, Charlotte. What's going on, Charlotte? <laughs> What's going on? It's the first day of school at Christchurch Day School. Oh, um, no. I mean, I know that our listeners are hearing this on Sunday, so for them, that might be a little confusing. But we record during the week, and today was the day that we got to welcome students back on mm, campus. It's so pretty exciting yeah, here. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And uh, we, we need to get right to our uh, mailbag because we have another message from Hannah Wilder. <laughs> we need a little sound effect for like when we open the Faith to Go mailbag. We need like a Hannah Wilder specific one. That's like, <laughs> Hannah. So um, thank you, Hannah, for uh, direct messaging us on Instagram. Hannah uh, shared a where she saw God this week. And it was actually in a video recorded by another Faith Go All-Star, uh, Mary Lynn Colson. Uh, the Reverend Mary Lynn Colson. So if you go to the St. Andrews by the Sea uh, Instagram uh, page account, um, you can see this video that Mary Lynn posted last week uh, where she's talking about a story that they did in Bible study at St. Andrews, a women's Bible study that they do about the story of Rizpa. And it's a story about uh, how her two sons are unjustly killed and her only kind of way of gaining justice is to is to like keep their bodies safe because they've kind of been like it's kind of a gruesome story but they've been essentially laid out as like a sign to other people um without being buried or anything like just laid out in the middle of of the ground for the birds and the animals to get and so this woman rispa her um she sits out there for like many many months protecting the bodies of her children and so it just brought up you know all this uh discussion about justice and the vulnerable and you know how um people are where people are crying out for justice and how people are resisting in the ways that they can uh and it's like a form it was her form of protest so Marilyn was talking about this story of rispa and you can go see that video it's about 15 minutes long on instagram uh, at st andrews by the sea and Hannah Wilder said that that's where she saw God this week was in this reflection from Mother Mary Lynn. So we thank Mary Lynn for highlighting that important story uh, and for Hannah for um, sending it along to us so we could tell you about it. Uh, mm-hmm. And as always, we want to hear from you. You can always email us, faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org, or you can direct message us or tag us in a post on Instagram at faith to go. And I also want to hear from you, Charlotte, because I know you have a God sighting from this past week. So where was it that you saw God this past week? Well, and funny enough, I just changed it. Um, (laughs) God was moving fast in my life this week, I have to say. And all of the places in which I encountered God in this past week were in another human being. Mm -hmm. And, I think that seeing and feeling God's presence in each other is exceptionally powerful, 
But the instance that I'm thinking most about was I also was blessed enough to go to Camp Stevens, not once, but twice this last week. Um, I took two different retreat groups there. The first was the newly formed Youth Leadership Council, which is 12 mm -hmm. young people in grades 10 through 12 from our diocese that are becoming a steering committee for youth ministry within our diocese. And they're doing really important work. And God was present in that walk for sure with all of them. Following that, though, just a few days later, I took the staff of Christ Church Day School on retreat for two days up to Camp Stevens. And that retreat was really important because the pandemic has been hard on all of us, but no one more so perhaps than teachers. The amount that they worked to turn everything hybrid and keep their students engaged during the first part of the pandemic. And then at Christ Church Day School, we brought students back immediately last fall. Um, and so the safety precautions, the worry, the stress, the learning to communicate when you can only see half of a student's face, the all of those important things that had to shift and change are overwhelming, they are exhausting, they are isolating. And our desire in this retreat was to create a place for healing, to do a little team building, to celebrate the joy of a new year. And we did all of those things for sure. Um, we also read over the summer um, Bishop Michael Curry's new book, Love is the Way, and we talked about that in our community. And that highlights our theme for this year, which is all you need is love. Um, and so we're going to be exploring it through all of our virtues and in all of our classrooms during the year. But we had this great conversation in the outdoor chapel on our last morning as we discussed the book um, in that sacred holy space. And the conversation was what does love look like at Christchurch Day School? What ways can love grow this year at Christchurch Day School? What does love look like in your classroom? And what does love look like when you give it to yourself this year? And that last one was the hardest one. It is so easy when you're responsible for the care and keeping of children, whether you are a, a parent or an educator or anybody else, to constantly take yourself and set that need to the side because the care and keeping of those small people is the most important thing. And God was so present in the vulnerability of that moment in the naming of very simple things like, I'm going to drink more water. That's what love looks like for me. I'm going to make sure I exercise. I'm going to ask for what I need. Um, I'm going to say enough when I have done enough for the day and go home knowing that tomorrow is another day. And in that really beautiful holy space of the outdoor chapel, God was such a vibrant connecting point in all of those things. And I was writing down everyone's takeaways and it just was like a glow. It's very, it was such a tangible moment for me of God's presence. So good. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And we'd love you, all those questions Charlotte asked about, um, about love, how are you going to show love to yourself or in your, it doesn't have to be a classroom. It could be any workspace or anything. Those are great questions to think about this week. Uh, and if you have answers to those questions, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your God sighting from this past week or any of your reflections on 
the gospel or our discussion about the gospel. And I said all the ways you can get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts at all. And now we are going to transition to our gospel discussion. Again, we're talking about uh, the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, September 5th, proper 18 in year B, which is the majority Mark's year. We're going to hear a lot from Mark now that we're uh, getting into the fall. And Charlotte is going to read the gospel, and then we're going to each highlight a point that we hope you uh, think about and take into your week of discussion or reflection. The gospel is Mark 7, verses 24 to 37. Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syphophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. All right. Thank you, Charlotte. This is, uh, just for context, the story that immediately follows the one that we heard in last week's gospel. Uh, Jesus talking to the Pharisees in the region in Galilee. And so where Jesus is going now is actually up kind of north and west into this region of Tyre. And then and Tyre and Sidon. And so this is kind of like the, the idea here, the, what we're kind of supposed to take from this is that Jesus is moving like outside the, the kind of land of his cultural group. He's going, this first part where he meets the Syrophoenician woman is in Tyre. And then he's going back towards the Sea of Galilee, but he's going through an area called the Decapolis, which is another majority Gentile region um, north of the Sea of Galilee. So both of these stories take place outside of his kind of main cultural geographical location of his own Jewish people and culture. So this is what is happening is he's interacting with people, people across lines of difference, across kinds of lines of cultural difference of ethnic difference. And so that's where, that's where we are with these stories uh, and geographically, that's where we are. So Charlotte has the first point for this week. Yes, I do. And it's it's funny. I feel like my theme lately is speaking to the things that challenge me personally. <laughs> um, that seems to be the points I 
um, I've picked of late. And I also want to name in this that as someone who works with children, since we were already talking about children, that growing up, this gospel was super confusing to me. I really didn't understand if it was actually dinner time and Jesus was worried about getting little kids fed, um, right? Like some of this, as you consider having these conversations at home with your family, since that's what faith to go is for, um, really we all come into this in different places based on our own life experiences and certainly children. Um, this is a challenging one to talk about with children, especially considering this first part of it. So for me, as I have read through this this week and I thought about it, it's not my favorite. <laughs> it's hard to think about Jesus this way. The kind and loving Jesus um, who, you know, says, let the little children come to me, who heals people, who walks with his disciples and teaches. Oh, that Jesus. Yeah, that's a good Jesus to talk about. Also, the really passionate Jesus who gets enraged at injustice and flips tables, also good to talk about. This gospel where Jesus has this woman who comes to him, she is a Gentile, um, and his reaction in this is from his own culture, um, which is counterpoint to his reaction last week when he chided the Pharisees for the very same thing, when they were talking about the cleanliness of all of them. And he was like, hey, you got your eyes on the wrong thing here. This is not what's important. And yet in this moment, when Jesus speaks to her, when Jesus calls this woman, when he likens her to a dog, that is a hard Jesus to sit with. And it is a moment in which we can either choose to look away or to fully look at what is happening here. And so this week I'm trying to look at it instead of just moving along. And I think it's important to remember that Jesus was fully God and Jesus is fully human. Jesus was raised by humans. He travels with humans. He is living in a human culture, immersed in it. He is traveling outside of his comfort zone. And truthfully, as David mentioned a few minutes ago, he keeps trying to get a break, to get some rest in all of this. So we also have a tired Jesus who is trying to not be spotted and to get away. And so this woman acts out of her place in this culture. She didn't have any business busting in there and throwing herself at Jesus's feet, but she did. And Jesus responds in a way that can only be described at best as unkind. Um, basically, you wait until I've taken care of my people and then maybe I'll have something for you afterwards. He doesn't say no, but he's certainly in no rush to take care of this woman's child who has been possessed by a demon. And she's not having it. I love this. Like, I love it so much because like, if you, it talks about how when she finds out that Jesus is there, she rushes and rushes in. So you obviously know that she knows who Jesus is or has heard the stories and she feels so inspired to ask this person for help. And then this person smites her. He's like, nope, back it up. Um, you know, after the children have been fed, then I will take care of the dogs. And she's not deterred. She says, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall underneath the children's table. 
She advocates for herself and also in advocating, actually advocates for her child. And even in advocating for her child, she also holds a mirror up to Jesus. That's what I see in this moment of like, see what you said to me, because now I'm saying it back to you in another way, right? That in that moment of using the same language to describe the situation and yet naming that those who are being viewed as dogs still get something. She turns Jesus's heart in that moment, in that advocacy. And this isn't one of those instances where Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. He doesn't talk about her faith at all in this. We can only surmise by reading this that actually what happened was that she won the fight. She advocated for herself and her child in such a way that Jesus was like, you are right. Go home. Your daughter is healed. And it's such an important takeaway for those of us who maybe have trouble advocating for ourselves, who feel as though we never do enough, are enough, do it the right way. I'm having a few of those weeks lately myself. <laughs> maybe you are too. But that in those moments of saying, this is what I need, Jesus, or this is what I need family. Let's, you know, let's take it simpler. <laughs> let's talk about our everyday life. In those moments of brutal honesty, of advocacy, of naming our feelings of unworthiness or holding a mirror up to somebody who is making us feel unworthy and saying, hey, I don't think you meant it this way, but those words, this is how it makes me feel. And I'm a beloved child of God too. And I need this. I, I need this Jesus. I need this David. Um, all of those moments, those human moments, I think are really important, especially as we consider Jesus as humanity in this. Because if Jesus can be fully human and react this way, then what are the times that we have also reacted this way to others? Um, and what are the times that we have felt those crushing words come from another to us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that my my point is the is about the second half of the story and this deaf man that Jesus heals in the Decapolis the region of the Decapolis um and so they bring uh it just says they brought to him a deaf mm-hmm. man some some number of people uh in this region and uh, asked him to lay hands on him and to heal him. And I'm just, the thing that really struck me and resonated with me is just like this whole, the whole scene that Mark is painting here about Jesus, just like the intimate, the intimacy of it, the emotionality of it. Um, and just this, it really started with me with this one word, just the fact, this idea that Jesus looks up to heaven and he sighed and said this thing to the man to heal him. And then I just started like thinking about this this picture of Jesus that like the way that Jesus goes about doing this healing is that he he takes this man aside into a private place with him. So it's just him and this person. And he touches his kind of like wounded places, the broken parts of him. Um his mouth is his ears and it's it's only after jesus has like created that kind of intimate space 
And then that kind of physical connection and emotional connection to his wounds, to his hurting places that he, that he like, that he does the, any kind of like calling out or speaking to have some, something happen. And then in that calling out, he doesn't like cry to heaven, be healed or be opened. He, what does he do? He sighs. <sighs> like, what is a sigh? It's like such the opposite of like a, like an exclamation like this. It's the opposite to me of like a display of a powerful ability to make, to do something. It's like deep surrender to the moment, to this thing that is happening to the really like to me, a sigh. When I am sighing, it's like, I am admitting the, the hopelessness of something, <laughs> you know, like I'm feeling the weight of sadness. I am feeling the grief of something. And so like, what is Jesus doing here? He is like connecting deeply to this person's pain, his frustration, his agony, his hopelessness. And says this, says this word be opened, but it's also like, it's like, it's like someone starting to try to talk again. That's what it sounds like. You know, it's like someone learning again to use their, their tongue and it it means something in this language but it's like it also is like jesus like almost like learning again with this person that he's like so deeply connected he's like feeling the weight of not being able to use your tongue for so long not being able to use your mouth not being able to speak it's like this jesus right here is like so deeply connected to this person to this pain to this woundedness he is he is living in and feeling physically and emotionally and spiritually connected to the suffering that is happening and in the in the depths of that connection that is where healing happens and it doesn't say and it's so cool to me that it says like it's not it's not like and immediately Jesus healed him it's like immediately his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly and again, such like specific language, you know, about like opening and releasing, you know, this is what Jesus does. This is the, this is the liberating healing energy of Jesus is to open and to release and not by, and so that's not like, that is again, not like a power dominating move, you know, it's like opening is about letting go, releasing. It's about letting go. It's all surrender. It's all compassion it's all connection with jesus in this story and so it just it like really sits in my heart like in such a tender way and i just love this scene and this connection that these that jesus is just it's just so amazing that he can go to this just like be with a person for 10 seconds and be there with them you know and i think that's what it means to be christ-like to be able to so deeply connect with someone like that. Mm -hmm. Well, and David, as you were talking, I had a couple of images pop into my mind. And one of those is if you do yoga, um, sometimes in Shavasana at the end, when you're laying on the ground, they'll say to you and let your tongue fall from the roof of your mouth and put your shoulders mm -hmm. down. Right. And it's this reminder of the ways in which we hold tension and 
Tension is another stress tension. That's another kind of physical pain that sometimes we are in, right? And that sometimes we need those simple releases for. But the other interesting thing for me, especially as you focus on this sigh, um, is something that my husband, Tim, always says. So you may or may not know this, but Tim is a big sigher. Um, <laughs> he sighs a lot. And it always, to me, a sigh sounds like the language that you're talking about. Like it's something is wrong, something is heavy that you are letting out. And, you know, we've been together 25 years now, Tim and I. And he says that sometimes he just doesn't realize he's holding his breath. And what an image that is too, right? Like, especially in that moment to think about all those times in which we're holding our breath, we're holding our breath for healing, we're holding our breath for Jesus in the moment, we're holding our breath because we're not sure what's next. And so those sighs that escape from us, that are that release that comes from us is that accepting of the presence of Christ in those moments. Yeah, so yeah, and I, I, I don't know where I heard this, but I, I also heard this thing one time that always sticks in my brain whenever I sigh is that someone said that sighing was their spiritual practice. And so it's like, why is it a spiritual practice? It's because to me, it's just like a moment of just like surrender. You just like, like you're saying, releasing your breath, releasing all that tension, just being like, <sighs> everything I've tried hasn't worked. What can I do? You know? <laughs> Like that is the most genuine prayer to me. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. now what? <laughs> and I just feel like that all the time at this point, <laughs> you know, like so often. <laughs> um, but it's a great Same. prayer. It's a, like a great prayer, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, those are our two points for this week. Uh, point number one was Charlotte's. It was from this uh, first part of the gospel with Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman, the way that she stands up for herself, for her daughter, for her people and and pushes back on jesus invites jesus to to his own opening opening up and then uh that leads to point number two which was mine which is the second half of the story about this man that was uh deaf and couldn't speak and the way that jesus takes that opening um that he received and and passes it on to this man to his ears and his tongue uh, so he can hear and, and talk, be connected again. And the way that Jesus connects with him in that deep sighing, that deep suffering and grief. So having heard those two points, uh, we'd love to hear what your third point would be for this story. How would you connect these two stories? What jumped out to you? Uh, how would you, um, how would you, what would you invite people to think about in their week of faith discussion and reflection based on these stories? We would love to hear that. We would love to hear any of your uh, comments or questions from your week. We would love to hear any of your God sightings where you saw God or where you, it was hard to feel God this past week or just anything you want to tell us that you'd like us to share on the podcast. Any resources you like or things that you're reading that you want to recommend to people, just send it all to or us. What yeah, or what makes you sigh? Yeah. What are you, what are you releasing? What are you sighing about this week? You can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org, or you can contact us through or follow us on Instagram at faith2go, direct message us, tag us in a post. We'll see it. We'll share it on the podcast. And we will be back next week for the week leading up to Sunday, September 12th, proper 19, near B. And until then, we say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.